I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Summer is a lovely time for families. Longer days, warmer water, sunshine, swimming and holidays. What's not to love? Well, I hate to be Captain No Fun, but summer's also a time when accidents rise in children. And so today on The Parenthood, I've got Dr. Kiara Hunt, my sister and co-founder of The Parenthood, and we're going to talk to you about what you can do to keep your child safe in the summer. Kiara, welcome. Thanks, uh, thanks for your time. No um, uh, starting with the kind of thing that all parents, you know, fear the most, uh, drowning. Um, it's... Uh, it's, I read actually the other day that nearly all drowning incidents occur during a brief lapse in supervision. It's when we think we're keeping an eye on the children, but suddenly we've got distracted. So, I mean, water safety is a big part of keeping your child safe in the summer, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's about being prepared and, you know, being organised and making sure that without question, your child is, is you know, monitored, observed, supervised and has all the right buoyancy devices and, you know, your pool has all the right protections on it uh, because it can happen so quickly um and without without you noticing it yeah i mean it's silent drowning um which mm-hmm. is sort of the scariest thing mm-hmm. um uh, in terms of keeping our children safe i mean i think that kind of basic pool safety you know if you're going away on holiday ensuring that the pool is you know either away from the house and sort of fenced in or has one of those sort of fences around i mean i personally would just not go with my toddlers to a place where the water was unprotected and if there was ever a point you take your eyes off the children they could be in the pool I mean I think it's essential isn't it yeah absolutely I mean it just completely ruins your holiday if you can't be sure that your child can play you know without the risk of falling into a pool not just a pool but also ponds or any smaller bits of water that might that might be around and the area you're in so you know nowadays a lot of pools have these covers that 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 are properly safe you know that you could fall onto and not go underneath uh, or there's pool alarms, of course, where it will alarm if anything touches it. Um, I think there's even devices that your that your child can wear um, that I think we use those for ours when when they were little. That, that they you know if they fall in water, then that alarms, or if they go underwater, that alarms. Um, you know the fences, but make sure if it's fenced, the pool that it's actually locked, and the child isn't able to unlock it because you know a three year old perfectly capable of either climbing over a fence or or, or undoing a bolt. Um, so just being so on it. Is so important. Yeah, I mean, I remember talking to a friend of mine and there was a group of parents all sitting around the pool chatting and the child was sort of playing in the shallow end but just got deeper and deeper and deeper. And before they knew it, the child was sort of slightly underwater. And I remember 
the mother saying to me, he said, mummy, I was shouting for you. And that sort of idea that it just happens so quickly just when you've taken your eyes off them. So especially at the end of the day when it's so tempting to kind of have a glass of rosé and to not be focusing on the children, is yeah. that's sort of crucial just to be on it. That even if it's, you know, one person's on duty for sort of half an hour or, you know, but just that someone is watching your child. Yeah. And also if your child can't swim, then then um, being very strict and completely non-negotiable on, on whatever buoyancy aid they're using so if that's the water wings or if that's the the jacket or the the shark fin or whatever it is that your child has there is no negotiation around the fact that they have that on anywhere near the pool it's not that you know they get to take it off when then when they've decided they're not going to go in but they're still running around the outside i think it's so important to be strict about that and probably when you're planning your holiday just taking an extra buoyancy aid because you just can't have a situation where the water wing is punctured or the swim vest is lost or is left in the car that you've always got another option even if it means you've got more luggage it's just one of those sort of crucial things to have Mm. yeah absolutely what about dry drowning this idea that your child nearly drowns but doesn't drown seems fine but then isn't yeah, so this is very this is very rare. This is not something that commonly happens. But but I think the thing to to remember is that say you're you've pulled your child from the pool because they've 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 gone under the water and they sort of cough a bit when they come up but seem fine. That doesn't mean that that no damage has been done to their lungs and that they may not have symptoms afterwards. They need to watch out for. So I think if there's any incidents where there could have been any kind of water related lung damage or you know where you think oh god I don't know could they have swallowed or breathed in a bit of water then then you have to keep a really really close eye on them for 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 the hour or two afterwards normally um normally you would uh you'd notice things like them being much more drowsy than they normally would be a bit more irritable or or having sort of odd behavior that isn't normal for them possibly difficulty breathing or also speaking coughing a lot uh, chest pain so for a child or or an adult for that matter too chest pain after after that some things happened um all those things i think i think just have a low threshold for taking them to hospital to be checked if there's been any incident where it could have been um could have been a dry drowning and presumably um if you weren't worried enough to take them for to hospital but you were just concerned as most of us would be would you sleep with your child that night yeah yeah i think so i think you know you if 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 you're concerned enough to sleep with them i'd argue that potentially you're concerned enough to to take them to be checked um but uh, but yes, sort of being close to them and being able to sort of pick up any new symptoms is always a good idea. And what do they check for in hospital? Do they x-ray the lungs or do they do other tests just to ascertain that they're okay? Yeah, they check the lungs, they check the brain, they check you know the general observations. It may just be a case that they observe the child overnight in hospital with all the different monitors and that sort of thing. Um, but it will depend on the nature of the injury um, and, and you know, how serious it could have been. And you, you again, you want to just go straight to hospital. What if the, you know, would you, would you be calling for an ambulance, or would you just go straight, straight to hospital? I mean, listen, if your child has has sort of actually drowned, has been unconscious, you've had to resuscitate them. They've, you know, they, you've, you've got them back. Then you would absolutely take them by ambulance to hospital. But if they're just not quite themselves after an incident that that could have been a bit of water in the lungs, you could just drive them to hospital. Thank you. And in terms of, um, you know, summer holidays, we always have these aspirations that our children spend loads more time outside being active on their bikes 
Yes, but bike injuries obviously go up in the summer. Um, and obviously the most important thing is that children are always wearing a helmet, however hot it is, however much they don't want to wear their, their helmet. Bike helmets do help protect children significantly, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, with you know any sport or any activity where they're you know going fast, where they could fall off, fall down, injure their head, so important. And you know, tra- tra- traumatic brain injury, you know, brain damage, or even so fatal head injury is you know kids, you know, kids riding bikes, it can be prevented by them wearing a helmet. So it's just crazy not to. It's crazy not to. So you know, and and you know, children ride their bikes in the in the summer, winter as well as the summer. But of course, in the summer, they've got far fewer clothes on, far fewer protective layers on, they're much more likely to to not just injure their head, but also injure the rest of their body, you know, nasty, nasty cuts, nasty uh, bony injuries, that sort of thing. And um, so just being prepared for that is important. I mean, it's a sort of rite of passage, isn't it, to sort of have that sort of big grazed elbow, or grazed knee that looks horrific. Um, what do you do with that? Um, I mean, presumably you don't necessarily need to take them to hospital. It's just yeah, no. And, you know, grazes are common from before they can ride a bike. So most parents will be sort of pretty adept at starting to do you know, to, to look after those. So you just give it a good clean um, make sure you've got any grit or dirt out of it. Um, you just use normal water if you don't have anything else. Yeah, absolutely. You can just, you know even the sort of height, you know, hose on it is absolutely fine if you're outside, just washing it essentially. Then puts, if, if you've got some, some antiseptic cream or some antiseptic spray on just to get rid of any bacteria that could have lodged in there. Um, most grazes don't need a, a plaster, just let them dry out and heal. But if it's um, if it's a bit wetter or if it's got a deeper cut, then then you put a plaster on it just to prevent anything else getting in there. Um, so, so pretty straightforward, really, the grazes. Um, broken bones. I mean, the thing with children and broken bones is that they can actually be sort of running around with a broken bone um, and not complaining that much about it um, because their bones are a bit, a bit less brittle, I suppose, than ours. And you can get these, we call them green stick fractures, where they'll they'll break, but it hasn't snapped. Um, and and they're pretty um, like the green stick, like a young shoot of a of a of a of a twig. You know, you don't doesn't snap off. It sort of sort of crushes a bit. Um, and uh, and they you know they're you know they're not, you often see they're not really using it but they're still running around playing in the garden. Um, so any I think with the bones anything you think oh god could it be could it be broken always go and get an X rayed in a child because because often it is. And because if it's not broken but it's not causing them a huge amount of kind of pain, oh then they just carry on yeah. But you just need to exclude that it's not broken. But if you didn't ascertain that it was broken and let them carry on, what would happen in the long term? depends where the break is but if it's if it's um through a part of the bone that's still growing it can stop that grow, bone growing so they could end up with a shorter that bone being shorter than it was supposed to be if it's through the what we call growth plate so um it's not just a case that you know it's not going to cause problems later on in fact more so for children than for adults mm-hmm. um cars i mean obviously we don't only use cars in the summer but often when we're traveling we're slightly more laissez-faire about car seats. It's so tempting when you've gone to like the the car hire place and they don't have quite the right car seat for your child. You're like, oh, just stick them in. It sort of almost feels like the risks aren't there on holiday. Mm. But actually it is so important, isn't it, to have your child in a proper car seat the whole time. It's probably more important when you're on a holiday because you're you're driving on roads, you don't you're not used to, you're driving in a car that you're not used to. 
um, you're from driving on the other side of the road if you live in England. Um, so uh, I think you know car safety is even more important on holiday. A lot of a lot of parents will choose to bring their their car seat with them from England or from home, so that they know it's the right car seat. They know it's the one they've chosen to spend the, uh, money on and that it's safe. Um, but um, uh, but obviously most car rental companies will, will hire them too. So just make sure it's make sure it's the right one for your child. And yeah, exactly. Don't don't scrimp on it. It's probably is the best to bring your own. It's just I've been in situations where you know you've ordered the car seat and then they I remember once for one of my children who was like two they delivered a sort of infant car seat I was like well that's not going to work but of course yeah. they didn't have the other one there so rather than you know to avoid that and risk just your child not being properly fastened in it's probably yeah, I think especially for the you know for when they're little once they're on just a booster seat that's fine you know all they're having to do is raise, be raised up a bit so that the seat belt is at the right height for them um, but but when they're still little, either in the infant car seat or in the the, the child ones, where, where you know we've got the head supports, then I would um, probably bring your own is the is the best. So and rash is sorry. No, I was going to say just also with cars in the summer, you know you do see a lot of sort of overheating injuries. You know children left in the car just for five ten minutes to you know to well, pop out to to get something just or supervised or baby you know you've arrived at the house and you know the baby's asleep in the car so you just let them sleep there it's obviously safe to leave them it's a private property but um but they you know just be very careful about overheating bikes get very, um bikes cars get very hot very quickly um so that's a, another risk in the summer yeah um rashes are much much more common in the summer um is heat rash anything to worry about no, heat rash can be pretty dramatic, um, but it's nothing to, it, you know, it's usually harmless. Um, interestingly, though, babies will often get heat rash um, more frequently or more easily than adults because they can't control the temperature quite so well as adults can. So they're, they'll sort of overheat and get the heat rash. Um, but essentially, it's a, it's just an, an uncomfortable but usually harmless rash, which is kind of gives you an itchy, itchy, prickly feeling. Um, and sometimes some some swelling in the area that you've got it, um, and it will go away once the heat once the tr- trigger has gone. Uh, but um, but you know, so you just want to keep the child comfortable. You know, essentially cooling the skin down will help get rid of the heat rash. So that might be you know, ice packs or cold flannels that have been in the freezer for a bit. Um, stop them Ooh. scratching it. Sorry. Will you stick them in the swimming pool to cool their yeah. skin down? Does that work? Cool them, absolutely. Anything to cool them down um, will help with the with the rash. So we'll just take taking them indoors, out of the sun, uh, avoiding scratching it. So um, you know, you, any skin that's irritated if it's scratched is going to prolong that irritation. Um, so so if they really are itchy, then patting it rather than scratching it can help. And then you know, just the normal sort of relieving treatment so calamine lotion antihistamines if it's really itchy um you know that sort of thing will help but it's nothing to worry about again it looks quite dramatic but it will get better um and if your child has got a rash and they're really hot is the likelihood is it is heat rash and it's nothing to worry about yeah i mean as long as they're not ill um as long as they're not ill, you want to be sure that that's what it is. But usually if you take them in and, you know, within an, a couple of hours of being out of the sun and cool, that it's better than, than, uh, um, than that will, um, you know, that will, that will tell you that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So what about heat stroke? If your child has heat rash, is that the same thing as heat stroke or will they get heat stroke or is it something that's totally different? 
So they're similar in that they both come from being overheated and being exposed to too much sun or too much heat without your body being able to control it properly. But heat stroke is the next level up. So you could get heat stroke without having got heat rash. Um, but uh, if you if your child with heat rash is then kept in the sun, they might well go on to develop heat stroke. It's something called heat exhaustion. Um, and it's less common in... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In younger children, because they're not, you know, hopefully not going to be in that situation. But, you know, older children who are less supervised might might um, get symptoms of heat stroke. So, you know, they get a headache or they're getting dizzy. Well, often they'll feel quite sick or quite nauseous. They'll they'll look ill. Um, they'll often get quite pale and clammy, um, or sweat an awful lot. Um, their pulse or their kind of breathing rate will go up. They might even get a temperature and be sort of you know up to thirty eight. Not usually much higher than thirty eight degrees in heat stroke, but um, but they might get a temperature as their body is overheating. And they might be very thirsty. So you know it's the same symptoms in adults and children, but um, but obviously in in children you know you. you they don't always know what to do themselves, so you'll have to, to do it for them. And the main thing with heat ex- heat stroke or heat exhaustion is just to cool them down. I mean, that is the treatment. Um, so there's lots of different ways, but any way you can think of to cool them down will help treat those symptoms. And normally, after about half an hour to an hour of, of cooling them, their symptoms will have got better. And you'll know that that's what it was that was making them feel so awful. So obviously, moving to a cool place, but could they be in a cold bath or being put in the swimming pool? Is that probably the most effective way of cooling them down? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they may not feel like getting in a cold bath or getting in a swimming pool. They usually feel pretty awful. Um, so it may just be that you take them inside, you put a fan on them, you cool them with with cold water flanneling or sponging, give them plenty to drink. Um, you know, di- the, the sort of sports drinks are good or, or diarolite type electrolyte rehydration is good. Um, ice packs on the sort of pulse points, all that sort of thing can can help cool them down. Um, so, so it's, you know, it's not serious and, and, uh, you know, as long as they're not left in the sun, uh, but if they're brought inside and cooled down, then, then they'll feel better. And do they get it more quickly than we do because they're smaller and more vulnerable? So essentially if we could have like a day of sun on the beach and still be fine after it, might that just be too much for children? Yeah. I mean, children tend to get it less because we as parents are more on it. So we'll have the hats on them. We'll have them told that we'll come and play in the shade rather than playing in the sun or eating their lunch in the, in the shade. Um, so it's probably most common in that sort of um, early adulthood when you're sort of used to being looked after your, by your parents age of 16, 17, 18, and, but you're not, you're on holiday with your friends and no one's, no one's sort of telling you to do all these sensible things that that's when you're most likely to get it. Mm-hmm. 
And I suppose then being aware of sort of sun safety, because, you know, whether it's wanting to prevent heat rash, heat stroke, but also then, um, you know, making sure that you've got adequate sun cream on is something that's really important in the summer. Well, it's probably, you know, as a more general health um, prevent prevention, you know, uh, preventing your child getting burnt or having too much sun on their skin is one of the most important things you can do to help them in later life. Because, you know, the more child, the more times your child is burnt in childhood, the more likely they are to develop skin cancer in their life. Um, and especially burnt to peeling, you know, if, it, if it's one of the questions the dermatologist will ask with a, you know, if you're 50 and you've got a lesion that could be skin cancer is how many times in your life have you been burnt to peeling? Um, so, so it's just so important to use high factor sun cream everywhere. Don't forget the back to the um, ears, top of the feet, you know, places that sometimes we might forget to put the sun cream on, reapply it after swimming, reapply it after toweling, um, you know, keep the hats on them, or, you know, the ones with the neck protectors, if they're in a, in, you know, really hot, hot sun, put uh, sun suits on if, if, if you're in countries where, you know, the sun is particularly strong. You know, for babies, they just just really shouldn't be in the sun at all, and they don't need to be. You know, have sun 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 shades on the push chairs, um, keep them out of direct sunlight at, at you know, all the time. And is it true that if they're playing in like a paddling pool or in the water or in the sea, the sun is stronger because it's reflected off the water? Well, it it reaches areas that it wouldn't reach if they weren't in the water because it's being reflected off the water. So that's where their face will get burnt under the hat, um, for example, or the bottom of their chin. Um, or the backs of their legs or you know whichever position they're in so so yeah in the sun in the water is is more risky than in in the sun out of the water um i mean i always found that taking just more sun cream than we anticipated on holidays was absolutely crucial because one of the big mistakes we make is that we just don't quite apply enough you need quite a lot of sun cream for it to be properly protective and it needs to be reapplied quite frequently doesn't it mm. Mm, absolutely and and you know we've done a whole podcast a while ago haven't we on just sunscreen and children but you know working out which sun cream your child will tolerate you to put on them effectively you know so if it's the spray aerosol ones or if it's the creams or if it's the sticks or whatever it is what you know as they get older and there's more negotiation involved like work out with them which one you're going to use and and use it um because because often it's the sort of worry you know the sort of anticipation of the fight that your child's going to put up because they don't want sun cream on that stops you perhaps reapplying it or putting it on properly in the first place and that's that's one of the most important things and it's so difficult because children are a blimming nightmare I mean you would have thought that I was torturing my children when it came to putting on sunscreen that fuss that was you know it's sticky it's cold I'm like it's not the end of the world and it's protecting your skin but it was such a hassle and I think what I learned pretty quickly was that they had to understand that it was this is not a negotiation they were having sunscreen on and that was that and actually then that made it a little bit easier just you know I I just said we are not leaving this house until you've got this on yeah and giving them some some autonomy and some choice in that will help with that conversation yeah and in terms of in terms of what type of sun cream rather than whether or not they have it yeah so choosing the the non-sticky one or the yeah choosing the you know whatever even the picture on the bottle if they like that you know there's children you know there's all sorts of things that will sway them yeah and also then giving them a bit of screen time i remember eventually i just put mine in front of peppa pig or whatever it was while i just did it and then you can just get it done really really well ideally while they're naked isn't it you know with children yes you want a really good session while they're naked so that when you're out and about you're sort of topping up that you've done 
I even just did the bottom underneath the swimmers, you know, everywhere possible. Well, especially when they're little and they often are running around naked by the pool or whatever, you just want to make sure it's all it's all protected. I, I find it very difficult to be in the sun without sunglasses, but my children don't seem to have that problem. Is it important that they wear sunglasses or are some people's eyes much more sensitive than others? Um, I think definitely there are some people who have more sensitive eyes than others, and it is sometimes hard to get children to wear sunglasses. But often, again, we'll be sort of adults will be on a on a sunbed and you know reading a book or something. Whereas children aren't, you know, they're running around. They often aren't, you know, looking at direct, you know, not looking at the sun, but they don't have so much sun in their eyes. Um, so yes, I think a lot of children don't particularly like to wear sunglasses, and I think. Uh, yeah, you can encourage it, but it's you know if they're living in a country that is that's very sunny, it'll become part of their routine. If they're not, it's probably not something that's going to bother them too much. Until they want fashion glasses, it's probably something that's a little bit difficult to do. Exactly. Um, but and a hat makes a huge difference. Actually, I find yeah. having a sort of hat over. And again, you know, your tip of you know giving them some autonomy rather than just going to buy the hat, let them choose their hat that they want, so that there's not going to be a problem with sort of wanting to wear it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and and you know, most children it's a hat or sunglasses. They don't need both because the, the the hat is shading their eyes. How I know that some sort of clothes and hats say you know SPF thirty on them, but I mean, presumably you're going to get quite a lot of protection from just a normal t-shirt, or is that something that is is dangerous? No, I think uh, hats is one thing because the hair is protecting us too. So unless you're bald. You know, the um, it doesn't matter so much about the SPF on the hat itself, but T-shirts, the sun can get through T-shirts that aren't SPF more than it can, or the the, the UV rays that are harmful to the skin can get through um, sort of thin cotton more easily than it will through an SPF. So if you're using that instead of sun cream, it should be a proper sunsuit or SPF type um, layer. Mm-hmm. But also understanding that you can't really use it instead of sun cream because you can't cover every part of your your child's body. Yeah. yeah. How common is it that children are allergic to sun creams? Um, it's more that children have more sensitive skin, so a bit like they're more likely to get they'll get you know um, they're more likely to get a bit of reaction from an insect bite than an adult is. They're more likely to get a bit of a, a redness or rash from a sun cream than an adult is. So, um, so you just want to use the hypoallergenic ones or the the ones that are designed for babies, and most of them will be absolutely fine. And probably if you're going on holiday it might be worth just trying the sun cream out before you go rather than that's the only sun cream you bring out and then you can't find one that's you know really sensitive to your child yeah exactly definitely worth doing that now I always recommend traveling with a bit of a first aid kit not that you can sort of replace hospital um and also mindful of the fact that you have so much luggage when you're traveling with children you don't necessarily want a whole sort of first aid bag but what would you what would you say were the sort of essential basics to take away with you yeah i think definitely worth um worth bringing a basic sort of over the counter you know pharmacy bought first aid kit which has got the plasters and the and the antiseptic cream and the sling and the you know little things that you're likely to need that will be quite useful tweezers to get out splinters and you know you just don't want to be having to find a pharmacy and then you know you know driving there to to try and get these little things which is so easy to bring so i definitely would do that and then i'd um, I'd bring a thermometer because you never know, you know, you never know. You always, you almost always want to check your child's temperature if they've got, you know, they're too hot from the sun. You don't know if it's the sun or if it's that, if it's that they're ill. So bring your thermometer, bring your simple painkillers. Actually, I often say bring those in those little sachets on the plane because if they've got sore ears on the plane or have any sort of pain, you know, you can give them something, something on the plane. Um, 
you might want to think about bringing a couple of little sachets of rehydration solution so that so that you can give them that if they've got a diarrheal illness or if they're dehydrated at all. Um, antihistamines, because, you know, of course, if they get stung, bitten by an insect or, 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 or stung by nettles or, I don't know, have a bit more of a reaction than you'd expect them to have, then giving them either antihistamine cream or oral antihistamines, um, the type you'd use for hay fever. So for babies, that can be sort of pyroton or something, or, but there's loads of different types you can use. Um, definitely worth having those. Um, what else would it be quite useful to bring um, creams, I guess, you know, I usually bring, and this will depend on the age of your child, but, you know, the over-the-counter hydrocortisone cream, 1%. Um, you know, if you've got it there and your child's got a rash, you can always speak to your doctor and they can say, yes, use that or don't use that. Probably something for, most first aid kits come with a sort of little eye eye wash or, you know, sort of eye bath. So if your child gets, you know, sprays, I don't know, anti-mozzy spray in their eye or whatever, you can, you know, give a proper eye, eye bath. Um, well, that's pretty much it. Do you consider if your child has antibiotics? If your child, no, no, I mean, it's a difficult one because it's not just that there is antibiotics for, for every infection. It will be a specific antibiotic for a specific infection. So unless your child is really prone to something that needs antibiotics or, or is, you know, a child that constantly gets a certain type of illness that your doctor knows about, then then it's definitely worth having a chat with them before, especially if you're going away longer and say, listen, can you just prescribe this? So I've got it just in case and I can use it if, you know, and then if I call you and chat it through, then then that can be quite useful again, rather than trying to find a pharmacy. But our bottom line is if your child actually gets ill while you're away, you want them to be seen by a doctor. You don't want to just be guessing and giving medicines that you've thought that you've brought along just in case. So you've got to be pretty sure. Probably worth thinking, where would you go? Is there a children's A and E? Is there an English speaking doctor? You know, especially if you're either really worried or your child is sort of prone to illnesses. I mean, I know that, you know, we see a lot of people on the bump class and it's their you know, first holiday away, very often first time parents are quite anxious. And you'd probably then choose somewhere where you're sort of confident in terms of sort of Health. Yeah, you want to go somewhere like if it's a hotel, where they have a hotel doctor who can come and see your, your baby. And I'd say especially under six months, of the, you know, like we um, in our podcast we did about common childhood uh, illnesses. You know, a, a temperature in a baby under six months um, really does need to be seen by a doctor. So even if it ends up not being anything serious, you need it. You need a doctor to actually come and examine your baby. So if you're going on holiday with a six-month-old or younger, then that's even more important to be close to to somewhere that a, a doc, paediatric doctor can come and see you or you can go and see them. And there are obviously loads of, you know, remote access now to doctors. So presumably it's sometimes really great to be able to organise a Zoom call with your doctor uh, to see whether or not you need sort of hospital treatment because no one wants to go and sit in queue and A&E for three hours for something that could potentially be resolved by the phone. So just seeing, especially if you've got a private doctor, if they'll do a Zoom consultation or um, that's probably advice. Yeah, or even, even, you know, even your NHS doctor would probably be able to do a telephone call or yeah. So there's definitely, you can, you can usually set something like that up. Um, but with the babies, particularly then nothing beats actually seeing the baby and examining the baby. So um, definitely having that backup is important. And you mentioned insect bites. Those are obviously um, a big part of often sort of going away. Um, I mean, mosquito bites, very common, very irritating, but they're rarely problematic, are they? Yeah, well, the key is to try not to get them. So especially with your, if you've got a little baby, you know, make sure you've got a mosquito net for the cot, a mosquito net for the pram. If you've got older children that you're bringing all the right kinds of insect repellents and um, 
and uh, you know having either bed mosquito nets or or staying in a place where the where the windows have have the barriers for the mosquitoes and insects um, because the idea you know ideally you just don't get them because it can really ruin a holiday if they're covered in mosquito bites um, but then you know, just bring along the right kinds of, of, of treatments for them. So the, again, the antihistamines, the, the creams, you know, that you can get those little zapper devices that will help with the itch. Um, yeah, they deliver get the cold sprays. My children found those great, actually. They sort of itched without itching it and they made the yeah, itch exactly. away. Yeah. So that's that. And then if it's a bit more of a serious bite, if it's a bee or a wasp or something, they'd be quite, you know, we need to give them painkillers as well. And then just make sure they're not having more of a reaction than they'd expect, um, than you'd expect. Um, and if so, give them some antihistamine as well. That's it's very useful to kind of calm that that uh, allergic response. And this is going to sound like a really stupid question, but what is more of a reaction than you'd expect? So, you know, if you get a, a, a wasp bite, but then the, on your arm, but the whole arm swells up, your hand's gone all puffy or, you know, there's no, you're not having difficulty breathing or you're not, you know, you're not having any sort of anaphylaxis, but it's more of a reaction than you'd expect. You'd want you'd want to treat that rather than, you know, just a just a sore wasp bite, which any of us might get. And would um, antihistamine, oral antihistamine help with that? Yeah, yeah, we would. It might, it might need more as well as that, but that will definitely be be the first thing you do. And obviously, mosquito repellents are kind of full of nasty stuff because you're trying to get the mosquitoes not to want to bite you. Could you put that on a newborn baby? I guess it's that sort of weighing up risk versus benefit. Yeah, exactly. So you can get much gentler insect repellents, um, but that are le- they're generally less effective than than the ones that are a bit more toxic. Um, so if you're going somewhere where the mosquitoes themselves aren't dangerous, they don't carry disease. Um, most parents would choose to use the, the the gentler mosquito repellents or just try and protect their child from being bitten in the first place. And if you're going somewhere where the mosquitoes are carrying um, potentially very nasty disease, then then you might choose to use a stronger one, um, despite the baby being younger. So that's about weighing it up, really. Yeah, I mean, and presumably, too, anything that's sort of available on the market is sort of broadly, it's safe. Um, I mean, my recommendation would be to always bring some of the strong stuff, because even if you're not in a sort of malarial area, if your child is literally being bitten to death, you might think, do you know what, I am going to use the slightly stronger one that says obviously it's appropriate for for sort of children. Um, But at least then you have it rather than thinking of, you know, citronella is not cutting it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Always be overprepared rather than underprepared. You can always make the decision then and there. And I suppose taking on board that a holiday with children, especially if it's your first one, it's full on. It's not really a holiday, is it? That first holiday. No, a holiday with the children, especially as they get you know to the toddler age, is just really just a change of scene and a bit harder work because <laughs> you haven't got all your stuff that you usually rely on. Um, but you know, it's still it's obviously lovely to get away. And um, I mean, I would definitely save the kind of adventure holidays for when they're a bit older and go and do bucket and spades when they're little, or go and see family who can help look after them and enjoy being with your child, give you a bit of a break. Yeah. And I think also, you know, having sort of planned so many holidays, a bit of help on holiday is so important as much about keeping your child safe as it is about allowing you to have a holiday, because actually keeping your child safe, whether they're on bikes or by the pool or by the sea or in the sun 
it's kind of full on. And if you can, you know, go somewhere where you can put them in a kids club for a couple of hours where they're going to be really well supervised and you get the time to have a bit of time off or have a little bit of help on holiday where it's a couple of hours where someone just can come out, someone else can come and sit and watch them by the pool. Yeah, or or go to family as I say, who will help look after them or go on holiday with friends with the same age children so you can sort of rotate adults to be the one looking after the children, you know, so the other ones can have some time off and do that in rotation. So there's lots of ways to do it. Um, but yeah, remember, you know, just bear in mind before you go that it's, it's quite hard work, <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun. We're sort of bad mouthing holidays. It is lovely to get away. And, um, I just think you have to be realistic about what to expect and where you're going. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, Kiara, thank you so much, uh, as ever. Um, I hope you all have lovely summer holidays. Um, and uh, thank you for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review wherever you found this podcast. Um, I'm on Instagram at marina.fogel. You can continue the conversation there. But in the meantime, from Kiara and me, thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.